Ken Pozak, welcome to Brokers and Brews, an early edition, but glad to have you here, brother. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I want to get a lot into you and, and the business right now, but before we do, really important part is uh, what brew did you bring to Brokers and Brews? I'm just about as basic as they come, so Corona Light, man, it's just, uh, it does it for me just fine. Fair enough. I what brought you got? Uh, 312 Goose Island, so uh, nice. cheers to you, cheers sir. Cheers to you, man. Very good. So Ken, formerly from Michigan, a Michigander, and yep. now in the celebrity area of Florida, and I yep. feel like you are a celebrity. So tell us a little bit about you know why why you maybe I don't want to say why you left Michigan, but why you took on a new adventure and how that's going for you down there. Yeah, man. So um, I grew up in Detroit, just the same, pretty much the same city as you, right? What, you, what you're from, Livonia, right? No, I'm from Detroit. From that area? Detroit, Detroit. The, the, the city, I'm from Detroit, Detroit, but I don't tell people that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, most recently, my wife and I, we lived in Northville, and I uh, was running a, a team there. Uh, we did about 40 million, a little over 100 sides, and uh, uh, just, you know, whatever. We, we just, Detroit's amazing. There's so many cool things about Michigan, but it just didn't feel like that was going to be our forever home. And so we made a decision that we should probably move and, and relocate sooner while the kids are young and uh and not wait till they're you know till they're you know ingrained in the area and so uh you know late 2016 we made a move to orlando just sort of picked up we don't really didn't know anybody here but it seemed like a lot of fun like a lot of opportunity there's a lot of sales here a lot of growth and obviously we're big disney fans and uh so right now um we're on track to do about 200 sides and 60 million for 2020. that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh jump um, as far as the, you know, number of transactions, even we met each other in person, yep. you know, we knew each other, actually we met each other in 2016, um, before I was even in real estate, yep. but you know, we really met each other hung yep. out a little bit at a Tom Ferry event where Tom Ferry called for you specifically while on stage, which is why I say, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity, uh, <laughs> YouTube famous, Tom Ferry famous. I mean, everywhere we go, but, um, <laughs> oh, man. But but in all seriousness, I mean, we were talking, you were doing maybe, you were going to do about 110, 115 transactions for 2019, and you're already you know able to track that you think 200. I mean, this isn't really like for coaching and for, you know, necessarily just real estate professionals, but I mean, how do you, how do, you do that? You know, like tell us more about like really um, how you've embraced a new area in just under five years and you know, be able to do that a volume of transactions. You're growing a new team down there, things like that. Yeah, dude, I was, um, so yeah, we ended up doing 153 sides last year. So like we ended up, like we thought we were going to do, you know, much less and then, um, it, you know, picked up pretty well for us at the end. And so really it was just understanding leverage. Um, that's really been the, the key for all of this for me is just figuring out hiring and like lead gen, I feel like I have down fairly well. It's just the, um, it's really just comes down to leverage. And so the, the op side, the sales side and kind of figuring that out. And I feel like that really unlocks a ton uh, when you start getting that down. So when I got here, um, that's the first thing I did where we started leveraging almost right away. And I think that's been helping us grow more consistently and quicker. And your YouTube channel is awesome. Um, Thank you. Go ahead and let's like plug it because I mean, you know, everybody should check out YouTube and your Instagram and as well as your Disney side of things. So, yeah, like, right. you know, shout them all out so we can write them down and check them out. 
yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, on Instagram, it's just my name, Ken Pozik, and on YouTube, it's Ken Pozik TV. And uh, the goal with the YouTube channel was really a few different read things. It was one, it was lead generation because we have a lot of people moving here to Orlando. There's like 1,500 people that move here every week. Well, before coronavirus, there were. Uh, and so, uh, so, yeah, a lot of people moving here. So having people be able to go online and find relevant, good information uh, about the area has been really just game changing for us. And then the other side was more like that entertainment side that we could use for our, our database. So doing business interviews, doing local insights, um, little you know hole in the wall kind of stuff, the best burger, the best coffee, all that kind of stuff. And so um, it's been good. It's 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 sort of um, didn't really know what would happen when we started it, and and thankfully it's uh, it's turned out fairly well. Yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, I almost am hesitant to follow it because I think we have similar mindset and different and similar execution. You're just probably two steps ahead of me um for various <laughs> reasons and um it's all good. And, and i feel we're like we're oh geez i'm just ripping off each other anyways so <laughs> that's true uh again and i'm not going to keep plugging tom but like r&d right rip off and duplicate so yeah, exactly um but but the truth is like you want to have a little bit of creativity and you see somebody else do something you're like dang i want to do that so uh but it's a great youtube channel and Thanks, even Tyler. if you're not in the, you know, Orlando area. Um, it's just fun to follow because of the stuff that you do. You don't just take us on a little tour of a house. It's it's a fun, interactive, even if it is a tour of a house that you're actually trying to sell. Um, it's cool to see, you know, cool. um, my wife follows your stuff and she could really care less about real estate side. Yeah. So that's how I knew you were going to be perfect for me to reach out to you and say, would you be willing to do this with me? Because I knew that it was more attraction than just talking about selling a couple houses or a couple hundred in your case. Yeah, I think the, that's a big thing is um, the more authentic I think you can be in your online presence, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, the more people relate to you and you know, the more that they're going to be attracted. So it's like earlier today, I had somebody, hey, we watched all of your videos. We really love what you're doing. We happen to be relocating to Orlando. We want to work with you. And we get that call almost every day now. And uh, if I was just like, here's my new listing or come on out to my open house. And that was like all it ever was. I don't think that that plays as well to just general audience. So um, yeah, kind of trying to figure our way out here, but so far it seems to be working. And I think, you know, what's interesting about it is yes, the, maybe the motivation is making some sales, but at the end of the day, you love to be able to do it because it's fun to do. It's educational. Yeah. It's informational. And you also might get a couple extra sales out of it or whatever number it is, 50 extra, two extra. It doesn't really matter um, yep. other than the cost of possibly doing some of the production, um, you yep. know, because it's just fun to do, you know. Um, and so <clears throat> we're kind of going into fun to do. I mean, you've been on a weight loss, you know, like path and yeah. like crazy. What what kicked that off for you? Because you're a younger guy. So it's not like, you know, you looked at yourself at 60 and said, dang, what have I done? You know, <laughs> and and now you're like just killing it. So how yeah, yeah. yeah, so I lost um, like about 45 pounds in just over six months. And it was really um so a few different things. One, you know, I started, you know, doing more Zoom calls or doing video on YouTube. And I was like, man, I just, I look fat. And so that was part of it. But then I did go for a checkup because my wife encouraged me, hey, you should just, you know, go, just go and see how you're doing. And so I got uh, my blood results back and it was like high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Like it was just, my doctor was legitimately like, hey, you're, you're 34 and you're on, on the path or 33 at the time, but you're 33 and you're on the path for a heart attack before 
40. So you better get your stuff together. And so um, it took me a couple months to kind of like let that sink in. And then after a while, I was just like, I think I can do this. So I reached out to some friends of mine that are in the fitness industry. And it was really like, because there's everybody's, you know, Cato and paleo and like all these different, different things you can do. Um, but like what I settled on was that it's just really eating better and, and eating less calories and working out you know, almost every day. And so I started working out in my, in my office and in my garage and just going on runs outside, nothing crazy, just 20, 30 minutes at a time. And the, the weight just kind of kept coming back or coming off. So, uh, thankfully it's been, uh, you know, coming off quickly and I feel better than I ever have. I didn't realize how, how bad it had gotten until now I'm where I'm at. Well, and I think that's the thing is you didn't look bad. I mean, I, you know, I met you in person. I've seen you online. I wasn't looking at you going like, man, you know, this guy's a slob or whatever, you know, <laughs> none of these, you know, there's no negative words, but then you put up a side-by-side maybe a month or so ago. And I was like, whoa, you know, who, who are these two different people? It's amazing, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, it was really, yeah. again, I mean, kind of like a fun thing, cool thing to see and follow because, uh, it's something that, hits home for me, um, being healthy, you know, I've, I've always kind of, I try to joke about things. I, I handle maybe negative things with comedy and, and stuff like that too. But I, and so I joke that I have bad genetics and, um, that it's kind of true though. I mean, on my mom's side, um, there's not a lot of living people and yep. a lot of it has to do with sh- stroke, um, blood, you know, thinning, issues, issues that they need blood thinners, um, leukemia, I mean, all kinds of stuff, different cancers, yeah. you know, and then, and then on my dad's side, you know, there's a little bit of more longevity, but there's still a lot of underlying conditions. And so, you know, I, at 19, I started working out and I come and go, come and go. And, you know, I'm at a point right now where I definitely need to do more coming than going, but overall, you know, health has been something that's been important to me for like 20 years. And, um, so when I see anybody, it doesn't matter, you could have been in great shape and you decided to get into better shape. It doesn't matter. It's just like, it's just, I love seeing it. You know, I just like seeing it. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate it, man. I think a big part of it was, it wasn't like, cause I thought at the time I was like, oh, I'll just drop 20 pounds and I'll be good to go. And then, you know, I'll just go back to how I was living. And, um, I think a lot of us do that, right? Like you eat really healthy for a week or two, you cut some carbs, you cut some sugar or whatever, and it's easy to drop those first five or 10 and then you go back to your old lifestyle. And so for me, it was really kind of wrapping my mind around like, I need to change the rest of my life. And it was like making that decision and getting really clear that this wasn't just becoming like a diet, but it was like, here's how I live now. And, uh, you know, so that, that paradigm shift made it all a lot easier um, as well as like, you know, creating a community around it. I've got a lot of friends of mine that are also on the journey. And so we, we text each other with keeping each other accountable and using, we use my fitness pal to kind of check in every day on our weight and what we're eating and, uh, kind of the gamification of all that stuff makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still, you still got to commit to do it. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. So I'm, I'm thankful and hopefully I'll be here a lot longer than I would have, uh, living the other way. And, and so was it a family change or just a can change? No, definitely. My wife's been super supportive, you know, making sure she's cooking, cooking better, but I'm still out there for a couple meals a day on my own. And so very easy to, you know, want to pull into Chick-fil-A instead yeah. of pulling into a place I can grab a, a you know, chicken breast and salad. Right. Uh, and so it's just, you know, keeping those things in mind, you know, for like Chipotle has become my go-to, which is kind of a funny thing to say, because it's not like health food, but you can go to Chipotle and clean it up really, really well. 
yep. uh, get some steak and, and veggies and, uh, you know, some salsa that's actually, you know, really low cal and low fat. And, uh, so that's, that's been my go-to on like, you know, making sure I'm not caught anywhere. Cause there's a Chipotle everywhere. Right. Uh, you know, like if I start to get the shakes or I'm, you know, it's been a little too late in the day before I'm eating, I'll just pop in there. And, uh, that's, you know, having those, you know, setting traps for yourself in a positive way, I think, uh, allows you to succeed a little bit easier. Those burrito places really are, I mean, whether you were like, even if you were trying to like bulk up cause you were like, you know, gaining muscle mass and yeah, then you can go with the crazy big burritos and get 2000 calories. Or like you said, you're trying to stay healthy, stay within maybe a certain calorie range. You can very easily, like you said, make a meal three to 500 calories, you know, depending on what you want. I mean, that's a low calorie count, but you can get uh, protein as well as some carb and everything in there, you know, from Chipotle, Qdoba, and any, I think almost any other places. There's probably some that you can't, but for the most part. Hey, you so, just stay, stay away from some of the rices and like some of the crazy stuff. I do the bowl instead of the burrito and it kind of gets rid of some of the extra carb and makes it easy, but yeah. Yeah. So like you, you, you mentioned the word earlier and it kind of starts to come full circle. We've talked about your business a little bit and we've talked about your, your diet a little bit. And here we are, you know, we're wrapping up April and we're still obviously dealing and probably going to be dealing for a while with, um, you know, COVID-19 and, coronavirus and whatever other terms you know we have for it how has that been in your area of florida i mean disney's still closed right yeah it's uh, for the pursuable future as well i mean i have plenty of clients that work there their cast members and you know they've been told anywhere between june and september is when it'll open so um you know disney's losing something like 30 or 40 million dollars a day at disney world's closed which is like a big number um but uh yeah it's interesting we've got two sort of sec- separate sections of orlando we've got the resort market which is dead right now i mean days on market are just going up and inventory's climbing but we've got the suburbs that are still doing really well because you know we have some diversification we have tech and healthcare and government contracting and some other stuff so uh, thankfully, those people have jobs. They just happen to be living, like working from home, you know. So we've had to pivot and and look at where the deals are still happening, which is downtown Orlando, the suburbs. I mean, I'm in right now. We're negotiating an offer. I'm against four other offers on this house. So market's still moving. It's just yeah. you got to you got to know where it's moving and then shift shift as best as possible. And and I mean, your guys's um, stay home order was much later and much shorter than here in Michigan, where, you know, we're still considered we, ours just got extended and real estate is still considered non-essential. So but, but pot shops I heard are open, which is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could go into all the ins fair, and outs of enough. like what maybe does or doesn't make sense or if you compare the two, why one does and things like that for sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's like, we're still making it happen. In fact, you know, I've entered two contracts just in the last week. So nice. it's not that it's not happening, but it's happening differently. And it's much more difficult. If you're not um, very sure of a house, you can't put in kind of a little bit of a blind offer um, and hmm. go see it for the first time during inspection. Um, you know, even if you've done, if you have great photography and videography and stuff like that, but we're questioning things about a basement or something, those are the types of things you want to see before you've dropped four or 500 bucks on an inspection. Um, true. so, you know, we're getting it done, but, but you guys have had a much different approach. How has it affected real estate though? I mean, I'm sure that there's still 
it, it doesn't, I mean, it does matter because there's legality, but it doesn't matter what your governor says. It really matters what the people feel, right? Are the people wanting to get out and see houses? Are sellers wanting people to come in right now? Or have they kind of taken on a different approach, almost like Michigan and said, no, stay away? Yeah, it's um, so the first two weeks. So this was probably like mid-March. We lost we we lost 10 deals. Uh, one of them we got back. So nine deals is what we ended up losing those first two weeks between people getting furloughed, uh, people just backing out because they were scared. And so that worked out to be very real numbers in terms of dollars and commissions and that sort of thing, but really had mostly to do with families, right? Um, and so then over the past two weeks, people have been like, you know what, it's not nearly as bad as we had anticipated. Um, yes, some people are furloughed and can't ha can't buy, uh, but there's plenty of people that have started coming out of the woodwork and, and you know, you find them motivated pretty quick that way. So, um, you know, uh, we've, we've always been virtual here first, especially in the resort market, because people like, say, from Michigan are buying a second home here and they they might not see anything online they, they like right away. So they, they expect us to go do virtual showings, get it under contract and they fly down. So that really hasn't changed. You know, that's like something we've been doing for the past two years. Sure. And so um, kind of leaning into the whole virtual world uh, even more and, and, you know, doing video on every one of our listings uh, has been a big change for us. And uh, yeah, just trying to, you know, to try to meet the people where they're at, because you meet some people that are like, ah, COVID-19 is garbage. And you have other people that are like, I'm, I'm scared to die. Right. And there's like, you know, you've got everybody on that on that spectrum. And so um, you've got to meet people where they're at, making sure that you're being sensitive to that and then giving them the tools they they need in order to succeed uh, in the real estate space. So that's that's what we're that's what we're focused on. And is there seem to be a push for new ways of doing business when it comes to maybe masks or other health and cleanliness concerns or anything like that? Or is it somewhat business as usual in your market right now outside of what you just said? Yeah, it's been um, the more houses that I show, which I, I wasn't doing a lot of buyers for a while. And then I've started just it seems as though I'm doing more buyers right now. So um, it's interesting, like I showed a house today and um, these people, they reached out to me six months ago and they're like, hey, our, our lease is almost up. We have to buy. And so of the houses we saw today, two of the sellers just left the front door wide open, left mm -hmm. all the lights on and said, you know, please don't touch anything when you come in the house, please put a mask on. And so that's kind of interesting. Like they just leave, they leave, leave the house wide open, you know? And so, um, so that's kind of the, the difference, you know, we're seeing sellers that need to sell. They're a little bit more cautious buyers that need to buy. They're a little bit more cautious and we're making it work. So uh, hopefully we stay safe and keep moving through it. Yeah. And I ask because, you know, uh, I'm in some different forums here and I try to put my two cents out there for what we should be doing, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of question and concern around this. And, um, you know, I'm seeing all kinds of crazy stuff from the realtor can be the only person to touch anything in the house, light switches, cabinet doors, this, that, the other thing, they must disinfect before they put on a pair of gloves and then wipe down everything after. I mean, and I'm not saying that's crazy. I'm just saying it's a lot, you know, um, I'm not saying it's not worth it. That's not my judgment or my call to make. Um, yeah. But it is a lot and it's definitely a change. On top of that, there's a shortage of a lot of these supplies. So it's kind of difficult to accept. Now, you know, it's reality. So it's what we might have to do, but it's not going to be easy. So, you know, I'm just like everybody I'm talking to, uh, especially if they're outside of the Michigan market, I, I love knowing like kind of what your approach has been or is or continues to be or, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So like in the, in the result from today, right, if they leave the door open or they leave the lights on, I don't touch anything. 
we can come in with masks. We don't really have to disinfect in and out. You know, I mean, our shoes are something that I'd be careful of, you know, maybe putting some booties on or something. But um, it's funny, that's not something that people have been asking for. It's always gloves and masks and disinfect, uh, but shoes are okay, which is like, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, right? I, I, to me, I just try to be as sensitive as possible because you really never know who you're talking to and right. uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah. And, and so... Um you kind of mentioned, you know, like there's two different markets a little bit, the resort market and, you know, like your normal suburb market and things like that. And obviously the big question is, you know, is something going to tank or is there a deal out there? Um, based on maybe some loose terminology, is there a deal in the resort market right now? Is it hard, harder to sell, you know, things like that? There, It is harder to sell. And so here's, here's the kind of the trade-off. So, there's probably 60% less buyers from what we can tell in terms of looking at the show. Like when I say 60% buyers, there's 60% less showings happening via showing time. That's what the program we use that kind of book showings and that sort of thing. Um, there's 35% less sellers on the market in the resort market right now. Right. So it's, there's definitely a gap between how many showings and how many listings there actually are. So interestingly enough though, it's not like the resort market is completely tanking. Uh, as, as you would think. And so I think time was going to have to tell on that because, you know, you and yeah, I know like we're 30 to 60 days behind on a lot of stuff, right? So March was a fantastic month, but that's because we put those deals under contract in February. Uh, when I look at what we're putting under contract and the amount of showings happening right now, I think that there are going to be some deals. I guess that's a long way to say it, is that there has to be eventually to where these sellers are like, we just lost six months of short-term rental bookings we can't afford to not have those. So we need to sell. And so they're going to start coming to market. And so I'm getting those calls a lot. And I'm telling people like, listen, I, I appreciate that you want to sell because you're nervous. And maybe you should consider waiting till mid-May, June before we put it on the market. Because right now, nobody's looking. And those days on market are just going to start clicking. Right. And so it's going to be an interesting summer. I really think, you know, some, I think cooler heads will prevail. Some sellers will say like, well, maybe I was jumping the gun and other ones are going to be like, no, I really, I literally can't afford, I'm going to lose the house. And so, um, yeah, time's going to tell for me, I'm just telling my sellers, hang on till the world opens up in a few weeks, hopefully. And, uh, and we'll see what happens. But if there starts to become some deals, you better believe I'm going to, I'm going to buy them up. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, um, you can see obviously what the difference and things, how they happen from the great recession through, you know, now, and of course leading up to that, I mean, Florida market, I just, I know people that sold places like parents, you know, of people of our age that they sold, you know, um, leading up to those times and they maybe sold something for 200,000. They saw it go for as high as like 700,000. Then of course the crash comes, they saw it sell again for 300,000. And here we are again, back to somewhere around five to seven, depending on which area. And, you know, Florida is way too big for me to start going into specific areas, you know, when it comes yeah. to those price points, but those are real numbers. Those aren't, I didn't make those up. That's a specific conversation with a person that I've had. Um, so yeah, if you got the money and you start seeing like uh, something happen, like you said, buying them up probably is a good idea. Um, but do you see then, are they always two separate markets? In other words, if the resort market starts to fail a little bit, or if it comes back booming one way or the other, does that impact the other market or are they really truly pretty much two separate markets? I think that, um, you know, we're one tied economy, right? I mean, in Orlando, tourism is huge here. And so, yeah, you've got the, you know, business owners that live in the suburbs, but they depend on the resort market for a lot of their income. And so they definitely, 
they're definitely, you know, hand in hand. Um, and so, but to me, I look at if there's 35% less listings and there's 35% buyers looking, well, then now we're still at the same kind of net net amount of transactions that should be happening. Mm-hmm. So until those numbers get super lopsided, I don't think that we're going to see some crash. Um, but again, time's going to tell. Like, I mean, I just read today that like 170,000 Floridians unemployment was denied. And so, you know, that starts to trickle down. You look at um, USA Today had a, an article that said that um, something like 2% of all mortgages are now 30 days late. So what happens? I mean, they don't start foreclosure in for 90 days, 120 days. So really what means we're not going to see the effects of this until July, August, you know, and then you hope that maybe there's some forbearance or some kind of things that people can catch up on once they're back to work, but who knows? And so a lot of this is just like, you know, gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball. I could figure this out, but it's just, I think as agents and business owners, we just kind of dig into the numbers on a daily basis, figure out how many listings, how many pendings, pay attention to foreclosure numbers and, and then you just try to pivot wherever the opportunity presents itself. And so uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's, there's, there's pretty similar results here. I mean, I've had a couple of homes that I've looked at um, for buyers or we've put in offers and they've gone, one, one was in Canton, went up uh, same day, four offers. And, you know, obviously went pending the next day. Um, and yet there was another home, one of the two that I was talking about that I put people under contract with, uh, actually both of them were on market about 17, 19 days and, um, not super negotiable on price though, even though we're kind of sitting in, in an area where people obviously, people are either hot to buy or they're just sitting back, you know? And so, yeah. but the sellers weren't sitting here in a panic, like, oh, I'm just going to give away my property. And so I think, I think part of that has to be, excuse me, like just real, real, real quick. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like why, why are sellers like, they have so much bravado right now. Like they're like, like the market's fine. Like the world's on fire and the market is fine. You know, like I don't remember that from 2007 and 2008. And I was in the market at the time. At the yeah. time people were like, please take my house. We're out of here. Right. Like right. that was like what it was. And so I feel like a big piece of it is because we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, right, you guys have another two weeks of quarantine and, and then things start to kind of open up maybe, right? And whereas, whereas during the recession, it was like, who knows when the bottom's going to end? Like, who, who knows what's going to happen? And so um, I think until we get into sort of that spiral, people are going to start saying, yeah, if there's not, if we're not negotiable. There's four yeah. offers on the house, right? Uh, and so that's why you got to pay attention. And, you know, for you being out showing buyers all the time, that's the only way you can really keep your, your finger on the, on the pulse. Yeah. Well, the one thing I think too is, um, you know, and I put up like a graph a week or two ago, kind of showing the, the amount of time it was taking to sell homes leading up to the recession and the amount of times it's been taking over the last five years. And it's a drastic difference. We were actually in a buyer's market leading up to that. We just had appreciation like through the roof with a lack of, you know, uh, equity in homes. Whereas obviously since in Michigan, at least since like at least 2013, maybe even 2012, we've seen more of a seller's market. And so I think that probably also leads into some of that bravado that you spoke of where the sellers are like, nah, someone else will come along because a lot of people have been conditioned to this. I mean, there's a lot of first time or second time home buyers in this market who they, you know, if you were a first time home buyer and you won on 13 offers and you paid $10,000 over and a guaranteed appraisal and all this crazy stuff, you're probably looking at it like, 
screw them, man. They can, they can offer this or they can go pound sand, you know? And so right. Um, right. I, I'm sure that that has something to do with it too. And I think that we don't know what the ultimate unemployment number is going to really be. Obviously a lot of people are, you know, laid off, furloughed and unemployed right now, but we also have, you know, like you and I are considered unemployed, you know, even though, I mean, by the federal government, you know, even mm-hmm. though like you might be working, you know, just, if you're not, you're maybe not working at the same capacity you normally do or what have you, or because I have to work from home, I'm not really working and I still have to report income. And if I, if I happen to get it, but I for sure had two deals fall apart because of this whole thing too, you know? So mm-hmm. I can sit here and say, Oh, cool. In the last seven days, I've put two people under contract and I've got a closing coming up and blah, 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 blah. That's all great. But if we had this conversation on April 1st, I'd be telling you about cash deals that were falling apart because the stock market was crashing and COVID-19 was coming out with a vengeance and stay-at-home orders and all these crazy, bad, terrible things that some things have turned the corner a little, some things haven't, you know, whatever. Um, But I think that ultimately the unemployment number is going to be the real answer, right? How many people come back to work? what jobs still exist and then what people's thoughts are in that, you know, mindset. Like when I come back, am I, do I feel confident that I'm back at work or do I feel like in a couple of months I might be back out of work? That's going to, I think, be the ultimate factor for me. Yeah, I agree. And then how many people, you know, how many people start working from home more permanently, right? And how does that affect retail? How does that affect office space? You know, there's a lot of different, you know, variations to all of this stuff that are, again, just, you know, unseen like a lot of us would love to figure it out being in real estate people just automatically assume i'm gonna know i don't know like i'm i might know a little bit more than the next guy but like i'm i'm in this with you you know like so let's let's yeah. figure this out together yeah <laughs> so well it's it like like i mean you use the term that i use all the time crystal ball you know yeah. and it's like i don't have one to tell for sure so i can only use data and yeah. you know here's what the past is Here's what the last 40 years have been. Here's what we've looked at in the last 30 days, five days, two day, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and, and all that kind of doesn't say bad doom and gloom. So if you're looking for the deal, you might have to keep waiting, you know, and if you're looking to sell, it still could be a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. it might be tough to sell right now here. If you haven't been listed, you can't get a photographer to your house. So you have to take iPhone right. photos. But right, you know, yeah, yeah. that'll change, right? I mean, we're really talking, and it sucks for someone that really wants to sell, but it really is temporary. You know, mm-hmm. even if this thing, even if we are non-essential all the way through May 15th, that'll be March 23rd to May 15th. It's still really a short window out of the course of a year. You're still going to be right. out there for the main part of Michigan. You know, we start really going crazy starting in May anyways, when it comes to listings. So, and there's a lot of buyers who are sitting at home waiting to see properties. There's a lot of people that don't want to buy through virtual tours. So, um, sure. I think yeah, it'll I think, all I, out. Yeah, I think it may. I think it may. We're going to see a surge and then of people sitting on the sidelines that still have their house. But then who knows what happens after that for these people that have been laid on their mortgage or, you know, happen. I think that maybe there's actually a second ripple somewhere down the road, even though we're all back to work and doing our thing. So, but yeah, again, time, time will tell, man. I think, I think the only thing that we can control though out of this market, good market, bad market is the actions that we put out. Right. And so for us and like for my team is like, you know, we're doubling down on prospecting. We're going after, you know, our past clients, just checking in, doing care calls. And we're also, you know, checking in even more frequently with our leads, just trying to filter through, find the gold, right? I think that's, at the end of the day, that's all we can control, 
right? I can't control the market. I can't control other people's actions. I can control what I can do. And so um, I've cho- chosen to, you know, double down on still creating content and still doing direct mail and still reaching out to my clients and making sure they're cool. And so I think that's the difference between why my team and I are going to succeed versus where most agents are just put their head in the sand, you know, hoping that it's May 15th or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. No, you're right. There, there's definitely some people and I've talked to even some who've been in, in real estate for quite a while and they're almost, they're loving the break, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, and I get that. And maybe they have enough, of a referral base because they've been at it for 18 or 20 years that they're not too worried. But, um, you know, I think you can only take the foot off the gas pedal in any business for so long. Um, people do call you, people call you from your YouTube videos and say, show me homes, come list me, all those things. But if you stopped making those videos for the next six weeks, I'm sure you probably, your 200 number probably goes down to 190. You know, I mean, those types of things, right? Yep. So same thing. If you've been in the game for 20 years, good for you. I get the, that you're kind of welcoming the break. But, um, you know, if you're not at least talking to some people or emailing or something um, to let people know you're still in this, you know, then you're probably doing yourself a disservice. But I suppose you're helping Ken and I and some of the other active agents. So that's fine by me. I yeah. <laughs> so right, what, yeah, for sure. what, what fun things has the Pulisic family been able to do, you know, because maybe it's been a little slower or there was a few days at least, you know, something like that. Have you been able to take, I hate to say it, take advantage of the situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate, I agree. I, you know, I hate to say that you know, take advantage of it, but to me, it's opportunity to, you know, spend more time with the family, more movie nights, more, I don't have to go to work. I don't have to be there at eight o'clock because, I mean, this is my office right now. And so, you know, being able to wake up, have breakfast with the family, go, you know, grab, grab breakfast and come home. That's been really awesome. Uh, getting a little bit more family time is uh, definitely, that's definitely opened up some, my eyes to, you know, to, the opportunity to potentially work from home a little bit more, see them a little bit more, try to make this all work, you know, for, for me even better. And so, uh, so it's not all bad. It's not all bad. I think that this is uh, definitely a clarifying thing for many of us and how, you know, if you didn't save six months ago, you should have been saving the whole time. Right. And so yeah. maybe hopefully you'll learn this lesson. If you're not spending enough time with your family and now all of a sudden you get that, well, then maybe that's a good thing. Right. So I think for me, I'm trying to be the eternal optimist in terms of looking for the opportunity in even the ter- like the worst uh, times that we're in. And so we'll see, see what happens. But I think that I, for myself, my family, my, my business partners, we're going to be better for it at the end. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, same thing, right. Is you, you've seen now, a slowdown where like, well, here we are. I mean, we're using technology and a lot of people are now, now your kids are using it for school or whatever, but the, yeah. where I was going was like, we were in such a mode of just texting and like, Hey, you busy Friday? Um, maybe, you know, like you never wanted to commit cause it was like, yeah. you didn't want whatever. And now people are just yearning to be able to see each other. And Isn't that cool. You know, yeah. So I hope that that part stays. I hope that's the part that people remember the most is when you weren't able to go see folks and that there's more of the focus on like getting together. You know, I mean, people all most people like to get together for a party or get together for a big thing like, you know, whatever. But getting together, just, you know, your family, and my family hanging out, we're going to play some cards, whatever. It sounds kind of lame. But man, you know, right now we're doing it like virtually pretty good. You know, yeah, yeah. it sounds awesome. Like, good, I love right? it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we I know it's a little chilly in Michigan, but like the fact like we we live uh, tucked back near Disney, but like there's a main road with like eight foot sidewalks, and usually they're fairly empty. There's a couple of us that are running and biking, but man, I'll tell you what, the past month they've been packed with people, you know, riding with their families, right? And it's like it's kind of cool. I told my wife, told my wife, like I hope that continues, right? I hope people remember that, like that family time and being able to, you know, get out there and ride your bikes or just enjoy nature for a little bit of time is uh something that people continue so we'll see yeah so anybody who's actually like seeing this i have like just a, a, a picture that says superheroes rule and whatever but you've got like legit superhero <laughs> stuff behind you yeah 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 we don't have enough yeah, time to go over all of it but what's the coolest one back there <sighs> the coolest one back there it's down on the floor it's hard to see but like this is actually from the uh first iron man movie like when uh tony stark comes out of the out of the cave with his first iron man suit um that's actually from the movie um, yeah so that's kind of cool um that gun behind me is uh it's from the original pirates of the caribbean movie uh the first one as a stunt gun so i've got a bunch of bunch of cool stuff but uh yeah right. always always collecting always adding stuff and I saw you go out in your in your mask, so to speak, to the store so you can take things. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So how do you find that stuff? Like, do they, you know, do you are you on an inside tip? Is it coming to auction? You know, how do you, obviously you're close to it, but I mean, how do you, how are you coming across it? Yeah, a lot of this stuff comes from uh, the UK, actually. Like the UK and Atlanta and LA are like the three hubs for where they shoot a lot of these movies. And so there's auction houses in each each big city uh, where after a movie wraps or after a, you know whatever wraps show wraps, they're gonna they put it to the auction house. So there's a bunch of them. There's uh, there's um, Invaluable is is a is a company or an auction house. There's Van Eaton and Prop Shop. Those are like the big three that I, I buy a lot from. So posters and different things like that. Um, so yeah, there's there's these different auction houses, and so it's actually gotten more and more popular. Unfortunately for me, because it gets to be more expensive, uh, because there's a lot more more creators out there, more um, more collectors. But uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's, it's a good hobby, especially where I'm at. It kind of ties in really well. So what what's the one item maybe you sold that you wish that you wouldn't have? I have not sold anything. That's uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, all the collectors I talk to. They tell you that one thing that they that they sold and then they wish they had back, but uh, but no, I mean it's it's interesting to see the values kind of go up. So I don't think we're going to sell. I think this will be maybe some college fund or you know retirement if I need it. So all right, all right. Well, yeah. I was you know looking forward to like your heartache, but uh, apparently oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen here. Um, the market's not that bad yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Before we we wrap up and everything to that, I mean, is there anything that you know, you were like, man, you know, I really wanted to talk about this or any, any thoughts, any, you know, going away messages, anything like that, that you might have. Yeah, I think, you know, right now is it's just the opportunity of, of probably our lifetime of, uh, you know, when was the last time there was a pandemic and we were all forced to stay home. And so right now it's, you get to choose, you know, choose your own adventure, if you will, you get to decide, you know, do you want to double down on, you know, creating a, a bigger, stronger business? business or do you want to you know put your head in the sand and so i'm just telling people it's, it's opportunity time and if you're looking for it you're going to find it and so um you know through all this mindset is huge you know making sure that you're filling your head with the right stuff staying off the news as much as possible and staying off social media because it can be a, such a mess but uh but yeah i think for me uh that that would be the takeaway you know especially if you're listening to this you know after covid is open uh, or over you know when you're back to work you know just keeping those uh those things in in mind in terms of um, the consistency through no matter what you're going through is going to allow you to win. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Ken, uh, again, I really appreciate your time. 
um, you know, your, your words of wisdom, your insight into the market down there. Uh, you're definitely, you know, the number one go-to for that marketplace. If anybody is thinking about heading down, you know, checking out properties or what have you. Um, and, and then again, even for fun, just following the YouTube and the Instagram. Uh, Appreciate that. I think I have a neighbor that follows you for just your Disney stuff, you know? Oh, so, really? Yeah. Hey, cool. So it's not all real estate related, but it, it's cool stuff, right? Some of the behind the scenes, um, I guess I was going to let you go, but I said behind the scenes, how do you get the, I mean, how'd you get into that? How'd you get some of that cool photography? You uh, know, yeah. If you can oh, like where, there, where there's no, where there's nobody, like nobody there. Um, part of it is, so I started getting into it just as a hobby. Um, I've been doing like background extra work for like Disney and that sort of thing. So uh, you get into some of the parks really early before they open up because they're trying to, uh, you know, do do different photography and I'm in the background. Um, other times it's, you know, you just wait till everybody leaves and then it, you know, you get an empty park shot, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, you just kind of get to understand the parks and how they work and the security and, you know, try to be as friendly as possible without, without overstepping the line. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. So, all right, now I will let you go before we head Thanks, out. Man. Of course I saved a little, so cheers. Cheers, Thanks. my friend. Yep. We'll catch that soon. Thanks again, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming.